for this. What is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. Serious questions with silly people. I am your host, Christina Pajitsky. Uh, good. How's it going? I hope it's a good week for you. I'm. Uh, it's today. I'm recording this. What day is this today? It's a Friday, and I'm gonna head down to La Jolla pretty soon. I'm gonna drive down there to do shows at the Comedy Store in La Jolla, and I'm so excited. So by the time you hear this, it will, it will have already passed, and I'm going to thank you in advance for coming, because I know you came out. I appreciate it. And the guys, shows were great. What a great club. <laughs> what a fun time. What a, what a great week. Uh, also, listen, do me a favor. If you're going to shop on Amazon, please use my banner on thatsdeepbropodcast.com. Very simple. Uh, the next time you do your Amazon shopping, go to thatsdeeprowpodcast.com. Click on the little square. It's called a banner, but let's face it, it's just a square uh, under each posting that says Amazon. And there's Amazon Canada, I believe, too. Click on it. Do your shopping as you normally would. And uh, it's like a portal. And it just it, it records everything you buy, and it lets me know your home address and how many bottles of lube you use. And No, it doesn't, but... I think that would be a really fair deal, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, what else? What else have I got for you? Well, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm draw, drawing a far. Go to thousandranch.com to look at all my future stand-up dates. I'm currently working on a tour that will cover uh, the Midwest and the West Coast. Exciting. I'm just doing one-nighters, man. You know, one in and out. I just, I just, uh, really, the secret is I just want to do shows for only my audience. <laughs> is that so wrong? Is that so wrong to want to perform um, in front of people who actually know who I am and and would enjoy such a thing? So that's the big goal in life. Uh, listen to your mom's house if you don't already. I hope you do. And uh, and that's it. So here we are. I, uh, oh man, I've had such an eventful week. I can't, I can't wait to get into it, but, uh, (laughs) let's just start with this song. I think it's really, uh, interesting, interesting song. I've been obsessed with the song. Uh, I think it's in the movie. It is. It's in the movie Rushmore that plays uh, one of my all time favorites, you know, Max Fisher, I think is one of one of the best characters. He's, he's the, He's enthusiastic about everything that doesn't matter in life, which I think is so funny. I've always, I've always been that person in the any office I've worked at where I was like, I would get excited about the stuff you're not supposed to. Uh, like Bagel Day was huge. Any anything to not work, and I think that's what Max Fisher is uh, to me. So let's see. Let me find this song. I just oh. What a good song. Hold on, hold on. Ah, oh, shit, I messed it up. Where is it? I subscribe to this Apple Music thing. Have you heard about this, guys? Where you, you don't have to buy the song, you subscribe monthly, and 
you get to listen to all the music in the world for like a small fee. Pretty cool. Okay, here we go. Let's go. Oh, here we go. Jeez. One more click. (laughs) I am waiting. I am waiting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am waiting. I am waiting. Someone to come out of somewhere Waiting for someone to come out of somewhere You can't hold out You can't hold out Oh yeah, oh yeah You can't hold out You can't hold out Oh yeah, oh yeah Waiting for someone to come out of somewhere Waiting for someone to come out of somewhere Great song, Rushmore. Yeah, he's um. I think he's. What did he do? He did something bad. He's waiting for. Uh, oh, he gets into fight with Dirk Calloway, his chapel partner. <laughs> he's friendless and he's waiting. He's just waiting for something to happen. And it's Christmas and he's lonely. And um, it's so it's such a great. He's he lives next to a cemetery. He's motherless. His, his mother died when he was young, Max Fisher, and he fa- he falls in love with his first grade teacher who's far too old for him. And uh, Margaret Yang comes out of somewhere. And, you know, they event, and, that, and we all knew, we all knew it. We knew Margaret Yang was right for Max Fisher, but he didn't see it yet. He wasn't ready to see her yet. And uh, isn't that the interesting theme? for today. And how funny. See, I just came up with that. I didn't premeditate this at all. This all kind of just fell together. I was sitting in my car. I, was, I came home from getting my hair did. Uh, my shit's on fleek again. I feel like a woman. And um, I'm like, what is a stone song in my head? I am waiting. I haven't listened to it in years. And I'm like, this song is amazing. What a great... First of all, all the great truths are in Rolling Stone songs. And... Um, all the great visions for how the world should be are in the Beatles. 
But the Stones get the reality of things, and I think the Beatles get the uh, what should be. I don't know what the word is for that, but the uh, ah, what should be. So, anyways, the Stones. That it's called "I Am Waiting." It's a old. That's a old song. It's the '60s. And Wes Anderson, man, that guy picks the best music for his films, doesn't he? I don't know. I, he he's like the coolest motherfucker. He'll pick the band, but then he'll pick like the obscure more obscure song to put in his movies, which I really respect. Wow. And he also is, uh, you know, Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo. Hero does all of their um, music too for the Tenenbaums. Fucking cool. Oh, first of all, a few pieces of business I forgot to do beforehand. I want to thank everybody for emailing me about the posters. I had no idea. Uh, there were so many of you that are talented and, and, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so thankful and grateful for you that have, those of you that have emailed in saying you would like to do it. I haven't had a chance to look through, you know, everything yet, but I will this weekend and I'll, I'll get back to you guys. I really appreciate it. Someone uh, wrote in asking who did the theme song for that, Steve Bro, and that would be the famous Joe Double. Uh, Joe Double also does stuff for your mom's house. Uh, he was, I think, one of the very first people to ever submit a song to your mom's house that we played. And it's funny because I think I'd made fun of white rappers and then he sent in a song, obviously rapping, and he became one of our favorites. So that's Joe Double. Joe Double. Also, I don't know if you saw it yet on Netflix, but I am just in love with Ali Wong and her new special, Baby Cobra. You know, Allie's a, a good acquaintance of mine. I see her around, and I don't really know her, know her, but I've always enjoyed watching her, and I I just appreciate anybody, any, especially female comic that's really brave and really saying stuff that I think is pretty authentic, man. And she did the special Baby Cobra, uh, seven and a half months pregnant, which is, wow. I mean, I couldn't even... I did, I did Ari Shafir's This Is Not Happening about that pregnant, and... That's only like eight minutes of performing. I was so overwhelmed and sweaty and hot and anxious. You know, you're just a a wreck when you're that pregnant. I don't know how she did it, but she really killed it. And, um, you know, and and the best part is she doesn't even address being pregnant until like halfway through her set, which is so funny to me. And she gets real. She talks about, she, she really finds a way to make dark shit funny, which I always admire. You know, I can't, I can't, I don't watch a lot of stand up. I'm sure it's like when you work in any field, you know, if you're a, a fucking paralegal, do you, do you come home and watch the legal drama? No. If you're, if you're a hairstylist, do you come home and watch haircutting shit? No, no. So for comedy to be good, I really, man, it's really got to make my asshole pucker. And, and this, she really tickled my taint. I got to say, I just love it. So check her out. And there we go. Okay, so where am I? I'm into it now. Here we go. Yeah, so the Stones and this wonderful song, I Am Waiting. You know, I'm still reading this Michael, was it Michael? Michael Singer book. Uh, starts with The Untethered Soul. Check that one out. And then the second one is The Surrender Experiment. And I've been trying to put that into practice this week. And, you know, basically that book really teaches you to how to, not how to meditate, but what the the purpose of meditation is. And, you know, for so many years I've read this, you know, lofty, heavy handed explanations of, of enlightenment and, and meditation. 
And I get it. There's a lot of flowery language surrounding this stuff. And it's so embarrassing to read and more embarrassing to talk about with other people. But I, I feel like um, it's so practical. And, you know, nobody teaches you how to live in school. They, they teach you. In fact, they don't teach you a lot of practical anything in school. They teach you, you know, you read books that you never normally would as an adult because there's no time. Uh, you get to read the classics. You get to learn algebra, which for the life of me, I have no use for. I'm, I'm, and they swore that I would 40 years old now in two weeks, and I've never used algebra or anything remotely similar to it, uh, uh, applicable in my life. Um, what else do you learn? History, which is great. It doesn't seem to have an impact on people because we keep repeating the same shit over and over. Uh Science was pretty cool. Science, I think, I think they should only teach science. As, as much as I wasn't good at it, I I didn't even take chemistry. I was that stupid. I I took two classes to replace chemistry. That's how stupid I was. I was like, can I just not do this? And can I take like anatomy and earth science five or whatever? And they let me. But um, so here's what you should learn in school. Definitely philosophy. They should be teaching you that from. Uh, middle school. I don't know why they don't teach you how to think. That is the stupidest thing to me that people think that it's useless. It just crushes my spirit to think that the the very foundation of your whole existence, by the way, uh, is in thinking. If your mind isn't clear and cogent, if you can't understand what you read, how the fuck are you going to live your life? And believe me, there's a lot of people who don't understand what they read. Okay. I mean, there's people that run fucking stop signs they're everywhere. They're, they're, that is the, the fundamental of success in human life. Can you read something and can you fucking understand it? God damn it. In school, everything, it's backwards. It's totally backwards. The point is, this week, this book, I've been putting it into practice. Meditation, the purpose of it is to calm the fuck down. It's really to get out of your own way. Because your mind is an asshole. My mind is an asshole. Now, notice I didn't say I'm an asshole. My mind is an asshole. I am pure light, God-loving source, energy, whatever they call it, the hippies. I am, I am the course of life. I am uh, magical... I am the result of, of my father jizzing in my mother 40 years ago and the miracle of two cells becoming many infused with some kind of consciousness. It's a miracle that we all exist to begin with. That is who I am. Now, this asshole that inhabits my, my brain, which is just meat with impulses surrounding it, that is another nightmarish story. Now, I wonder, is everybody's brain as much of a nightmare as mine? I don't know. I can only imagine somewhat yes, uh, because of all the chaos that exists on the planet and, and also because of all the wonderful stuff that happens on the planet. But, but my, my mind is such a jerk. And I, I was noticing my thoughts this week more. Like this whole thing of meditation, it's really to just observe the thoughts, observe the emotion, and feel the feelings, feel them, go through whatever it is. But then like don't don't get so enraptured, so into it that you identify with every thought and blip. 
you know, in your, in your mind. Cause it's so, and that, cause if you do become absorbed in all your own drama, it gets really hard to see out of the forest of your own bullshit. That's basically what meditation does. It constantly, it's like a training of the mind to, to teach you how to keep observing. You're, you're the observer of what's happening, not necessarily attached to it emotionally all the time, you know, because the, what's reported into your brain, it's not always the facts. The problem is it's distorted by, by your own experience, by your past, by your mommy and your daddy and, uh, you know, what, whoever traumatized you, it's all, it's not right. So this week I was like, I'm just going to observe what I do and what I think and how I am. And my mind is such a douchebag. Like I would get emails from people and not you guys like business stuff, you know? And I noticed that, um, I, maybe it's because of email and because of texting and writing, like you don't really get the warmth and emotion and intent of people's stuff. You just see the words and then you're left to fill in the emotional blanks, which is terrifying because I fill in those blanks with sometimes hostility. Like when I read stuff, I'm like, what do you mean fucking do the week in Boston, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, what does she mean by that? It, it means nothing. It means nothing. It just means that she's asking a benign question, Christina, but you're interpreting it hostility because you have hostility around the subject for whatever reason or you know what I'm saying? Like, just think about that for a minute. That every email you're sending in a business contact or whatever, whoever is reading it, it's throwing their own stink emotionally and their own lens on it, which is crazy, which means it's a miracle that we don't just stab each other all the time and that there aren't mass murders because you'll just fill in the blanks. I fill in the blanks with my own um, irrational, retarded thoughts so I was watching myself and it's, it's little, it's little shit. Like, uh, my husband said he'd be downstairs at a certain time the other day I was cooking something and God forbid he came down five minutes late and I took that of course as a personal attack. I mean, I fucking said eight thirty. it's eight thirty five. And I've uh, prepared this meal and I put a lot of thought into it. And what the fuck? This is totally him. Um, this is deliberate, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and of course it isn't. Like whatever happened, he was caught on a phone call or, or whatever the hell it was. He came down and I, I caught it. But I, was, I caught it. I caught the madness in my head before I said anything, which is paramount in these situations. And I think that's what I'm learning with meditation too, is uh, to just press pause on stuff. You know, when you're feeling the rumblings of, I got to fucking put this motherfucker in place. I got to, I got to tell him. (laughs) Maybe not. You know, maybe just hold, hold on it. Just sit on it, marinate on it for two seconds. (laughs) Because especially a marriage boy, once you say some shit, you can't take it back. You know, it's, that's one of the great truths of marriage. I don't think many, my father told me many years ago, he said, listen, be careful what you say to somebody because it really can't be taken back. And especially in a marriage, you, 
must be so careful with your words because uh, it's true. Once you taint the well, it's, it's very difficult to go back. You've, you've, uh, yeah. Not that it's totally irreparable, but you know why? Why taint the water so hard? Oh boy, don't do it. Uh, so yeah, I was watching my thoughts. Now another uh, tangent to this thought is um, Michael Singer talks about how so many people arrived in his life at the right time. Apropos of our Rolling Stones intro song, I Am Waiting. Now, it's interesting because if you read the lyrics to this song, I am waiting, waiting for someone to come out of somewhere. You can't hold out, you can't hold out, oh yeah, oh yeah. Waiting for someone to come out of somewhere. See it come along, don't know where it's from. Oh, yes, you will find out. Well, it happens all the time. It's censored from our minds. You'll find out. You know, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about, but... Oh, I like this part. Stand-up coming years and escalation fears. Oh, yes, you will find out. Oof. Well, like a withered stone, fears will pierce your bones. You'll find out. So, but anyways, the point is, the stones talk about this exact phenomenon, waiting for someone to come out of somewhere. Because I think they know on some level that that is the the right match for you, right? Meaning sometimes someone does come out of somewhere or the solution comes out of somewhere or the song lyric you hear is like, bang, that's it. That's the thing I needed to complete this puzzle. Now, if you're in your shit so much, if you're in anger, if you're accusing someone of something, right? If you're grumbling, you're not open you're not open to waiting for that someone to come out of somewhere. You know what I'm saying, bros? If you're constantly in your bullshit thoughts, in other words, if you're constantly identifying with all the drama, the emotional dramas, you can't be still enough to see the solution as it presents itself. Now, that's a very fucking esoteric thought. I get that, which is why I'm going to tell you an example. Okay, so how do I say this? Okay, so... Uh, as you know, my mother passed away uh, in July, and some of her affairs are not in order. And what happens, at least in the state of California, you got to go to the courts. Uh, yeah, it's a nightmare. You got to file paperwork, hire an attorney, and you go into probate is what that's called. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I, I don't know how these people do this for a living. But anyway probate and uh it's a long process it's tedious and i've been dealing with this bank that's a nightmare and um it's been really a practice of (laughs) patience um with this particular bank i don't want to say their were their their name but it rhymes with mumes mank um i don't know if everybody that works there is functionally retarded but I think a, a lot of them are as nice as they are. Uh, I, without getting into the details, it's been months that I've been going back and forth with them over one fucking thing. And it's really an exercise in me not wanting to go in there and just stab every one of these motherfuckers. Um, so there. So I'm in this legal stuff for my mother and... Um, I don't really share this stuff with my my father because, you know, he's he's my father. He's got his own life. He's doing his thing and I 
I don't know. I, you know, it's enough. It's just too much. I don't like to spread around my misery too much. So anyways, he... Oh, there's fucking Bitsy barking again. So, oh, this fucking dog. This dog won't stop pissing on my stairs, too. Anyways, dad comes over because every now and then he wants to get a look at the kid. I want to see Ellis. I say, great, come on over. It's funny because he literally means seeing Ellis. He comes over, as hey, a good-looking kid. The kid looks like me when I was his age. I swear that's what he says. I know, he hangs out. We have a few laughs, and then he leaves. And now normally I don't, like I said, share. Well, let's just be honest. I don't share shit. I don't. I, I didn't with my mother, certainly. And I don't. I really don't share my life too much with, with, with anybody except my husband, but particularly my father. I just, I just, nah, nah, yeah, not, you know, not, not because he can't handle it or help. It's just old school shit. You know what I mean? Like he's just of a different country. He, he still does sometimes things the, the um, old Eastern Bloc way. Anyways, so I tend not to share and I tend to just write him off this fucking guy. You know, everything comes out of his mouth is stupid. This fucking dog, I swear I'm going to snap her neck if she doesn't stop barking. Anyways, I'm sitting with my dad on the couch, um, and I'm just uh, letting him do his thing. I'm not judging him as much as I normally do, so it's great. It's an easy time. And then uh, he asks about this thing with my mom, and I, I normally don't share. I normally, but this time I was like, what's the harm? What am I going to fucking, you know, what? What what's going to happen here? So I told him the deal, and uh, he goes, "Well, what about doing ba ba ba?" And it was the exact thing I needed to hear at the time, and my fucking brain exploded, and I went, "Old man, that might have been the best idea, actually the only good idea you've had in forty years of my life." Holy shit! What a miracle! that my father actually had a practical solution uh, to a problem that I've been having. So that was like a kind of an epiphany for me because I normally, like I said, I'm, I'm so much in judgment of him. I'm so, I'm so busy being um, judgy of the thoughts that I'm having about hanging out with him or whatever the fuck is going on that I don't just allow it sometimes to happen. Now, you know, had I not been open to him taking a look at this paper or whatever, then the solution maybe would not have come. So I think there is something in this, what this guy is saying with this book about just quite, just notice the thoughts, quiet them down. They don't have to, it doesn't always have to rule you and your existence, your preferences. That's the word he uses. Don't let your preferences for things kind of dictate, dictate everything. Sometimes life will bring you something and uh, if you're not too in your own stuff, you can, you know, don't, what's that saying? Don't look a gift horse in the mouth, which is, I don't even understand what that means, but the idea of just accept the gift, shut the fuck up, stop your drama, accept the gift and, and say, wow, thank you. That was kind of, wow, that just happened. Cause I wasn't too busy shutting out the experience. Yeah. Now an addendum to that is also know when it's time to step away, like I said earlier, when it's time not to answer that email angrily or pick up the phone. There are times, by the way, 
There are times, now I'm a huge advocate of laziness. I'm a huge, and by that I mean not being perfect, okay? I'm not saying not doing anything. I'm an advocate of let the house be messy. Let the laundry go undone. Buy, buy an extra pair of undies. <laughs> yeah, I'm an advocate of have your groceries delivered, have everything sent uh, to your house by Amazon to save time, to spend your time on better things. That's why I do that stuff, okay? Because I don't, I don't have all the time in the world. Neither do you, by the way. And if you're spending your weekends cleaning your fucking toilets, every, don't. Don't. If you have $40, give it to somebody else who will gladly clean your toilets and do it a lot better than you. Now, there's a time for that, but there's also a time when all you can do is scrub your toilets. There's a time where all you should do is your laundry, where the only thing that makes sense is to scrub the shit out of your carpet and get the fucking urine stain out that your dog just pissed on for the fifth time because that, that's what's called for. Because that's what life is telling you to do. It's telling you to step away from the issue and go do something else. Go just, just do anything else. Because in the doing of the other thing, the solution will come through different means. But only because you're distracting yourself from doing something else instead of blocking the solution. You know? Instead of staying in anger over whatever issue, if you fucking drop it, drop it. Go do something else. I guarantee you the solutions come a thousand times quicker than when you're obsessing. Now, by the way, this legal thing, this matter that I'm discussing with you now, I actually got this, I got a letter about it in February. Uh, And what happened in February? I just had a baby. So I knew, I just knew, like, Christina, don't even get into this. You can't. Your brain is addled. Your body is broken. Now is not the time. And I took it. I put it in a drawer. And I go, you know what? Here's the beauty of legal problems. (gasps) They're going to send you a few letters. No one lets you forget about them. Don't worry. (laughs) You'll get a few phone calls when you need to. (laughs) Right? That's the beauty of America. Nobody lets you go with debts uncollected or forms that are outstanding. Don't worry about it. So I had the the good thought in in the chaos of having a newborn, the the what is the word I'm looking for? The the forward thinking or whatever to put that shit away until I could open it up later. So that's what I did. I put that shit away and I picked it up, you know, what is it now in May? That was back in February. I picked it up when I could look at it, when I was rested, my life had settled down and I was of clear mind and my father was there to give the solution. Bam. Wow. Right? Talk about synchronicity or whatever. Talk about, uh, talk about the right person coming out of somewhere to kind of help you through the moment. And I think that if you allow it to unfold that way, that is how it happens in life generally. If you just kind of shut the fuck up and hang back a little more and just kind of go with the flow, man, it's, it is a lot easier than forcing an agenda. And I, that doesn't, that's not a hippy-dippy thing, man, because the truth of it is when you attract the right people, the people that get you and that get your frequency and your vibes, it's a whole different ballgame than when you chase them down. Same goes in love, especially in love especially with relationships. I mean, I I can't tell you a good relationship I've ever had where I had to chase it and beat it down. I mean, that is the worst scenario. 
Jesus Christ, when you have to chase the guy. Oh, it's a nightmare. Why hasn't he called? Should I call him? No, 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 boo-boo. No, no, no. Let it go. (laughs) I always tell women. I have a friend who is dating some guy who is not respecting her. What should I do? I said, do nothing. Do nothing. Do absolutely nothing. And watch, he's going to come crawling to you. Of course. She ignores him. What happens? He comes back. Same, same shit with everything. If you want it, turn your back on it. Forget it. Forget about it. I swear to God, forget about it and focus on your own life and making yourself happy and, and living a life that means something and doing something good. And you're going to get everything you want. It's the, it, it is true, and, and, I don't, and I don't know why. The, it, there's this great yogi. I've mentioned him before, Swami Sachidananda. Sachidananda. He's one of these old 60s gurus, and I just, oh, I love him. Sachi Dananda, he's on YouTube, and he always, there's this one great video of him, I think he's dead now, but where he goes, don't go for things, don't chase after things. If you want something, he goes, you turn to the Father. I think he just means turn your back on it and start meditating and go get closer to God. I know, it's too much, right? But he's right. Turn your back on it. Turn your fucking back on it and just get into your life, into you, into making you happy and those others around you, serving people around you, loving people around you, being good, and and it all comes. It all comes. Never chase. Oof, never chase boys. That's the one good thing my mother taught me, by the way. For women out there, if you're straight, never chase a man. Girl, do not chase a man. That is a fucking dumbest thing never works out never works out boo-boos so there you go uh i got this great email uh from a girl here we go okay i'm 32 and i'm getting married for the first time congratulations boo-boo jeans in september she writes you spoke about the realities of motherhood and the sacrifices that go along with deciding to have a baby My fiancé and I are both on the fence about having a kid. He's 28 and thinks we have all the time in the world to get pregnant. And I have to keep reminding him that we've only got a few years to decide unless we want to adopt later in life. Okay, so she says, "I've, I've heard you speak about the realities of motherhood and it got me wondering what clicked in your mind that made you decide to have a baby in your mid-30s. I know I've likely got five or six years to figure this out for real, but I'm terrified of waiting too long and then not being able to have a baby. So I guess I'm just wondering how you connected the dots for yourself and what advice you might have for someone in my situation. Okay. Okay, mommy. So you're 32, fiance's 28, and congrats. That's awesome, dude. Great. I love marriage. I, I, I love being married. I really do. I mean that. Uh, I think um, it's like, it's really a higher, it's a noble cause, marriage, you know? It really is. It really is. And I, and I know people are like, yeah, but you can't have sex with other people. I know. I know. But, but here's the thing. Sex is in the mind. And we're all just meat and cheese anyway. Different varying forms of meat and cheese. It's all the same shit. <laughs> Just different shapes. Hmm. 
when you think of it that way, it's not as alluring. And, and especially once you've had a child, boy, sex is really demystified now. Now I see pornography and all I imagine when I see a vagina is, I just imagine like, wow, she's going to have a hard time pushing a baby out of that snatch. It's too small. Or look how perfect her vagina is. It hasn't been ravaged by childbirth yet. <clears throat> or look how perky her boobs are. She obviously hasn't been pregnant. Anyways, <laughs> okay, you're 32, you're getting married, good for you. I hope you're having a wedding with only people you enjoy. If I may give anybody wedding advice, it is this. Number one, I mean, unless you've dreamt of a huge wedding your whole life and you want to spend six figures, go ahead. Uh, but I can only advise the destination wedding. Tom and I did this. We went to the Bahamas. And man, that sure fucking pairs down that invite list, huh? When you're like, you got to get on two planes and fly to the Bahamas <laughs> to come to my wedding. You still want to go? It weeds out all the douchebags. And now you've only got this core group of awesome. And it was like the best week of our lives. And it still is one of the most magical weeks because it was all close friends and family. And you didn't, I didn't have douchebags. So there you go. That's my advice on a wedding. Not that you needed that. Okay, so fiance, you're both on the fence about having a kid in general. He thinks we have all the time in the world, and I have to keep reminding him. Okay, uh, here's the thing, though, is that I, my husband was never on the fence about having a child. He always wanted one, and I was never on the fence really either. I was, I was more in fear about it, if I'm honest. Uh, I knew that I always wanted to have a kid. I just kind of delayed it as much as I possibly could <laughs> for for reasons because, as you guys know, I had a very uh, uh, troublesome mom. My mother was mentally ill, and so I didn't really have a great blueprint for what it was to be a mother, and I think I put a lot of fear and anxiety into motherhood. And I think it's important to ask yourself why you don't want the kid and then ask yourself why you would want a kid. Um, I mean, for me, a lot of it was like, I was getting, I was around 34, 35 when I started to get serious about trying. Um, and that was because of the clock. That was a biological, um, necessity. And I'm glad I started when I did because it took me a long time and I had a couple miscarriages and a couple of fucking, it's horrible. It's horrible. And, you know, it took a little bit of medical intervention and then bang, it happened. But it, it took a few years. And if I'm honest, I, I, I would advise people to start sooner than later. Um, and then horseshit, by the way, that people are like, you're never prepared to have a child. That's patently false. Please don't listen to people that say that, that you're never ready. No, no, no. Here's when you're ready. Uh, when you, you're with someone who you have a great relationship with, you have a strong foundation with, and you're not having a child to fix something broken in your relationship with each other, you're not having a child to trap somebody, you're not having a child, um, I don't know, because you're bored, <laughs> uh, make sure that you guys are stable, whoever you are, women and woman, man, man, whatever the fuck you guys are, uh, and uh, make sure your finances are in order. Why would you want to have a child poor? It's terrible. There's no reason to do that to your kid or to you. It's, there's a lot of doctor's visits. There's a lot of expenses that go into having a child. 
So the time is the time is right when when you have a loving partner that you trust, that you love so much that you want to create a family with, and that you have a nice little nest to bring home an infant into, and you have a nice little cushion in the bank, such you know, so that something happens, you're not uh, totally destitute and homeless. Uh, another great time to have a child is when you've resolved any issues as much as you can. I mean, you're never fully going to be, but go to your shrink. Hell, use talk space. <laughs> Resolve some of those childhood dramas before you have kids, my lovelies, because they're need. You know, they're going to come up no matter what when you have them. When you have a child, I mean, you're going to relive some of your childhood stuff. But I think it's advisable to start tackling some of that before you have a kid. Otherwise, you will be blindsided. And guess what? You will repeat doing the same shit that you had done to you. And I can't think of a fate worse, uh, which is why I put off having a child, because I just knew I wasn't ready. Something was not right within me to, to be a mom yet. And I knew it. I just had to, I had to get there. Um, I had to get there therapy-wise. And um, you know what? I actually do have a moment I can tell you where it clicked. I, I'm so, I can't believe I forgot this. So, well, I'll just tell you the story. I, uh, it was 2012 and I, we were talking about having a kid right here and there and Tom was asking when and I was like, oh no, I'm a comedian. I'm on the road. I want to have a career. I don't want to be a mom, all this stuff. And I went to Indianapolis and uh, yeah, well, isn't this interesting in light of this topic? Okay, so I uh, hung out with Christy Lee of Bob and Tom. I don't think the show exists anymore. It's, it's Bob and Tom, but it's not. It's like Bob and... Oh, no, it's Tom and... What's his name? Chitlin. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Christy Lee, who was on that show, brought this artist to my show, my, my stand-up show in Indy. Uh, and her name was Nancy Noel, is Nancy Noel. She's not dead. I don't know why I referred to her in past tense. And I just, Nancy and I met after my performance and, you know, she was really complimentary and I just, I liked her energy. You know, there was something about Nancy that I was drawn to. She's, she's, um, like a funky adult woman. She's an, she's a grown ass woman. You know, she was probably in her fifties when I met her and, when I met her like a few years ago, she's in her fifties, right? I think, I don't know. She's gorgeous. And Nancy goes, why don't you come out to my uh, ranch? I have a ranch here in Indy. And I was like, what? You have a what? And so Christy and I drive to this Nancy's ranch and it's gorgeous. And I was like, I don't even know this shit existed in the Midwest. Like you can have a ranch. And she had like llamas, <laughs> And horses, and she's showing me her horses, and we're, I'm petting this woman's horse, and I just I love her life, and I'm like, how do I how do I do this, Nancy? How do I how do I be you, basically, in a few years? And um, we're sitting on her patio, and it's like this. She lives in this gorgeous, cute little farmhousey thing, right? It's like white, and she's got white Christmas lights everywhere. I just love that. It's very European and it reminds me of my, you know, childhood European flavors. And, uh, we eat a lunch and we bullshit and we drink wine and she starts telling me about her sons. And Nancy Noel is a very, she's really successful artist. Actually, if you look her up, I think Oprah Winfrey picked her up like a few years ago and, um, she blew up and she paints, 
she paints um, angels is what she's known for. But um, so we're talking and uh, I go, you're successful and you have two children. How did you do that? She goes, well, I would just have the babies in the studio and then I'd paint with the babies in the studio. And I go, yeah, but I don't stay put. I'm a comedian. I move around. She goes, well, take the babies with you. (laughs) And you know how you hear the right thing from the right person at the right time, huh? Like the Stone song. And for some reason you hear it from the right person and you go, oh, she can do it. That means I can do it. And, um, and that's all I needed to hear. It was from like a woman who I respected. It was like the, the ghost of Christmas future for Christina. It was the life I kind of wanted. And uh, I saw that she had done it and she's in, she was in love with her sons. They were grown. And I heard her answer the phone and she was talking to her sweet little boys. And I thought, oh, wow. Okay, so there are normal people that have children. There are sane successful people who have children, not just my mom who was a, you know, deeply troubled, poor woman, suffering immigrant. Uh, She was, my mother was a mess. I don't think my mother enjoyed parenthood in the least. And the message I got growing up was that children were a bother and a burden and they, they, it was not a joy. <clears throat> to have a child. So it took a lot of work for me to undo that stuff. So to answer your question, email her, it was Nancy Noel who changed my mind. And I bought a print of hers while I was in Indy. And um, they're peonies. They're these gorgeous peonies that she had painted. And she signed it. And I have the painting hanging here in my house. And I remember because that was the time I decided to have a child. It was in 2012. I thought, okay, I'm ready. And I came home from Indy and I told Tom, all right, all right, I think I can do this. And, and that was that. And we started trying. And then Ellis was born, um, December 14th, 2015. So it took three years, three years actually. Now we didn't like go gung ho. We were kind of casually, whatever, but but there you go. It takes the right person to come out of somewhere and um, change your mind. You just, someone that, that clicks with you. You're, it's a frequency thing, right? The, the vibes match up and, and they, they tell you the words you need to hear at the exact, at the exact right time. It's so bizarre. So peonies now always remind me of, of the, uh, the existence of my son before he was ever born. That, that was that was the precursor <clears throat> to Alice coming into the world. So there. Um, <clears throat> and I like that you guys look, man, there, there is a time limit. I, I, I don't know where this horse shit came from. Um, where they're like, yeah, I have tons. Of, you do have time, okay? But honestly, do you want to go through fertility treatments? <laughs> Fucking, I know friends. I didn't have to go through. I only took like one round of a pill and then it helped, but... You know, I have poor friends that did IVF and all this stuff. It's fucking horrible. But not to scare anybody. That's not the intent ever to scare, but uh, to inform. And by the way, I just so you guys know, I hope you don't think I'm I, I'm nowhere near I was, where I was when I first had Ellis. I think the first 90 days are just were very traumatic for me. <laughs> uh, but he's five months old and it's way better, way different, way better. He's on a schedule. Our lives are normal. I sleep. Um, 
And it's a joy. It is a joy being a parent. I really don't know where my parents got the idea that it was this burdensome thing from. I think it's because they had divorced and it was hard for them to adapt to this new country, blah, blah, blah. It's a joy. It's a, it's a fucking journey. And, and also, you know what else, dear writer? I also had this epiphany when I was in my late 30s that what the fuck am I doing? You know, what the fuck am I doing? How, how many more comedy clubs can I do? How many more brunches can I eat? How many more movies can we see? How many more dogs can I buy? Uh, you know, life becomes a little monotonous the older you get. You start to go, okay, all right, is that all there is? I mean, I have, I, I, I feel like I'm taken. I'm just sucking up, I'm sucking up oxygen. I, I need to give back to someone, something. And so, I mean, having a kid was kind of an extent, a way to, to, to give, to be a giver and stop being such a fucking life suck taker. <laughs> um, and yes, it's manageable now. And I, I'm just a person with a child now, as opposed to a person overwhelmed by having a baby, which is what I was very much in the very beginning. But just have faith and know that it passes. If anyone's listening to this and they're in the beginning stages of having a kid, just know it does get better. No one tells you that shit. All these fucking mommy blogs, they lie to you. I'm, I'm in search of a decent mommy blog where it's just not bullshit. God damn it. Ugh, I don't know why women lie about this stuff. I don't know. I don't know why anybody lies about anything. Why? Just fucking talk about it. All right. All right, guys. Um... Check out Michael Singer, uh, 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 The Surrender Experiment. What a neat story. What a great... I'm still not done with the book. I just kind of do it in chunks. It's one of those books that you should just read, I think, in chunks and digest it and spend a week kind of trying it out and then see what happens. I hope I haven't forgotten anything. Hmm. Ah, if I have, big deal. Next week, I'm back. I'm good. I'm back. We'll do it again. Oh, 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 okay. Um, wait, was there one more question someone had? I, I don't fucking know. Nope, nope, that's it. Again, thank you for your poster submissions. I really appreciate you guys doing that. I'm going to look through everything and get back to you very soon. And um, yeah, and that's it. Until next week, it's been Deep Bros. <sighs> Come see me do stand up. I usually am at the comedy store most Saturdays in the OR at the 7.30 show. I absolutely love the comedy store and I recommend it if you're, you know, coming from out of town or something, go to the comedy store. Don't fuck around. The improv's great too. The improv and the comedy store, I'd say are the two best. Fuck. Oh, and Flappers and Burbank. Don't forget that. All right, guys. Uh, this computer stuff is just, it's sucking my soul. Okay. Um, I love you. Let's do it like Louise. Hey. <laughs> I love you. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Yeah. 
It's Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.